The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Well, this is in fact not Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate, your nation's public radio source for the information and motivation you need to start or grow your own real life real estate investing business. Vena has jetted off to San Antonio and I am your guest host, Mr. Drew. I'll be talking today to a real life real estate investor whose leverage systems and the help of technology and virtual assistance to invest in five different markets in just a year and a half. So Brittany Calloway is going to be joining us. Brittany is the founder and owner of Top Notch Property Solutions, a premier real estate company located in Washington, D.C., Brittany first got introduced to real estate to the real estate in investment industry during her time as a special educator and or I'm sorry special education teacher in southeast DC through the Teach for America program uh, aiding in her students families housing issues led her to wanting to start her own investment business she quickly learned that she enjoyed real estate as we all do and helping people which made her decide to quit her full-time job and become self-employed she now actively works in helping families with their troubles and flipping properties in five different states all of which was accomplished in just over a year so Brittany, are you with us I am. How are you? I'm quite well. How are you? Good. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, sure. My my pleasure. Um, so let's let's get first. Let's get off the marks here. Um, you you in in your intro, we kind of touched on what got you interested in investing in real estate. Can you give us like a longer kind of answer than that? What you know, your your sure. students' families needed the help, and you got involved. Sort of how and why. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was actually a friend of mine who gave me a book, of course, that a lot of people in the real estate space has probably read called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and so was using it as a tool and vessel to also kind of motivate my students as well. Um, but what really got me interested was I was literally teaching um, a self-contained class in, in South ECC and had a couple of families who were asking me about foreclosure issues. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I really am just a teacher. I have no idea. But um, did my best to help and was really um, surprised to get a success case that we had um, with a girlfriend of mine who helped out. And basically, we avoided the family going into a foreclosure, mostly through my girlfriend's help, who went to law school and really kind of helped pitch it in. Um, but from there, that family just kept referring my name and referring people to me. And I was like, I really just need to maybe take a 
a deeper interest in look into understanding how to do real estate. And so I kind of bought into an education course that kind of taught me the A to Z of how to do it, um, paired up with some really awesome mentors early on, and, yeah, decided to quit my full-time job when I was working for a real estate attorney after teaching because I thought maybe I wanted to do real estate law. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I left that and then um, decided to pretty much do it full-time. Wow, that's 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 impressive. So it wasn't like a late night infomercial, and you're like, I want to be rich. It's that you actually got <laughs> no, kind of called to helping people, family. and then when this is so good, I wanna I wanna stick with this and do it full time. I, I actually yeah. like to hear that. So now a a lot of people want to be successful, right? We see people every every month and every week who are like, oh yeah, real estate. Um, but a lot of them struggle to actually to actually get any traction. Uh, you seem like you have pulled it off. Uh, g- give us a, an idea of what do you think, at least, is unique about you that's allowed you to do so much in in this incredibly short time frame that we're talking about. Yeah, I, I really don't think I have the the secret sauce or the extra juice, but. Um... One thing that I think really has helped me to be successful is really putting people first in my business. I just feel like every time, I mean, like I said, when I got into this business, it really wasn't about the money I was going to make. It was about how many people I was going to help. Mm-hmm. And every time I just put people first and tried to help people with their situations, I've just grown exponentially. Um, so I really put all the people I work with um, first, and I think that that's really what's gotten me to scale so quickly. Um, but that's something about me that I know is definitely unique is just execution. I feel like 90% of us have ideas written down by our bedside or keep journals of things. And we just never get those ideas into fruition and really, you know, step off the bench and really get on the field to play. Um, and so most of the things that I really do write down, I'm very avid about having a little mind map on my wall. And mm-hmm. I really just, if I say I'm writing it down, my goals, I really just want to hit it and accomplish it. Oh, um, I, so 90% of that is execution, which I think a lot of people don't do. Um, and follow up. Um, I think I'm really good at, you know, finding the time to really follow up with people and see how different people can work with my business. And I'm very open. I meet with everybody who wants to talk to me about real estate. Um, just to see how, you know, what can I do to help them? What can I do to help me? Um, so I really take the time to just get to know people, open to working with all different types of people to help my business grow. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, that's yeah. that's refreshing to hear. One of the, one of the drums that we and I say we because Vina's not in the room, but really Vina beats here on Real Life Real Estate and in all of our real estate endeavors is that your job as a real estate investor is to solve people's real estate problems. That is actually what your job is. And if you do your job well as a side effect of that, you're going to make money. But you can't can't Mm -hmm. be focused on how am I going to squeeze money out of this deal you have to be focused on this person came to me for help. How can I use my expertise and training to then help them? And if I do that efficiently enough, there's money for me. You know, so Absolutely. it seems like you, you certainly share that attitude. Um, we've got to step away for a minute, but uh, we'll be right back here on Real Life Real Estate Investing and we'll continue on with Brittany. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host of the moment, Mr. Drew. Um, so let's get back to our, our topic. Brittany, there's something that you said kind of near the end or about the middle of, of what you were talking about that I want to emphasize before we actually dig into the, the topic du jour. And that is you kind of stressed that you were good at actually executing. Um, now we're all in favor of kind of the plan and the plan on the wall and keeping it in front of you and that kind of thing. That's, that seems to be a habit that people who are effective seem to share, or at least a lot of them. But it, it's interesting because I know lots and lots of people who are really good at planning and then they absolutely fall down when it comes time to literally then take some kind of concrete action. Um, so it was, it was interesting to me to hear you emphasize it. What prompted you to emphasize that about yourself? Yeah. Um, I think with real estate, I just, I knew I had something inside me, of course, that was like, okay, I really think I can do this. Um, and I'm someone who's really confident in myself and ability. And so I knew that as soon as I got into real estate, it was going to be a lot of throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I knew that I was going to, you know, do something, get it done. And I always say this is my motto, done is just better than perfect. So I was trying to just, you know, build up my business as quickly as I could, getting things done, not worrying about so much all the little details and logistics. Um, and that's what really allowed me to, yeah, kind of be successful in the business and just really just getting and just doing something, right? Like even if it was, because I, I was working a full-time job um, while also trying to put the business together. And so even if I was just doing a little bit a week, something a day to kind of further my real estate business, that's what allowed me to um, officially feel like I was confident moving forward and that I really could take a step away from this full-time job and do it full-time. And if it didn't work out, I was just going to have to get another job, right? Like, <laughs> that would have been the worst-case scenario, you know? Amen. Um, and so far, I haven't haven't thought about going back to a 9-to-5 since I left, but yeah, Good. Excellent. Are you hearing her, America? Get things done. Actually make accomplishments. Uh, and even if, you know, you, you stumble, getting something done is better than, than worrying about perfection. What's the expression? Um, the, the best is the enemy of the good. So, you know, move forward and, uh, and check things off your list. Okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about something that, that you have uh, a high level of knowledge of and, and our focus today, um, virtual assistants. Now, virtual assistants are a topic that a lot of real estate entrepreneurs and gurus seem to talk about, but no one seems to, you know, everyone seems to just assume a level of knowledge. And, and I want to kind of start at the bottom and, and, sort of bring everyone up to the same speed so the sure. most the most basic question i have is what is a va yeah so a virtual assistant really just means it's somebody who is not currently sitting right next to you in your office you have to monitor and look over not a paid employee that you put on salary um, but somebody who's working on their computer doing tasks for you um, virtually in a different state most of the time in different countries, 
um, but someone who you don't have to have a direct connection with every day as an um, employee, that you, someone you have to physically be in front of every single day. So they're just working on those tasks for you virtually. Okay, so basically uh, anyone could be a VA who you might envision working in your office, but you don't need to have direct contact with them. If they're just working on the computer all day, there's no exactly. reason why they can't be working on the computer all day elsewhere. Yes. Okay. Um, so it, in thinking about real estate investing or real estate business specifically, what are the sorts of things that they can do for you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's a wide range of things. Um, but basically they can put your database together, your um, CRM database, contemplation management database to basically um, host all the information that you are doing, such as your marketing campaigns, the actual leads that you're getting so they can help create it as well as manage it and run it. Um, we have our virtual assistants put offers every day on the MLS for us. Um, so they help us assist us in doing that and that all those leads that come in via our website, our landing pages, through phone calls, through the direct mail, bandit signs, they're basically looking at all those leads and making offers on every single lead that comes in for our business. They also do a lot of cold calling, so we train a lot of our virtual assistants to make relationships with realtors, contractors, other wholesalers, rehabbers, landlords, uh, so we have our virtual assistants do the actual cold call of that. They can also help you do the actual campaigns of a direct mail of managing your van at sign campaigns. They also can help you develop your actual landing pages themselves and get them up and running. Um, in addition to generating leads off of them, they also can help you do your social media from the people who are, I'm not a big poster of the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, but my virtual assistants are really good at doing those posts for me. In addition to really making my online presence well-known by doing ads through a Facebook, Google ads, LinkedIn marketing to really get my business out there. Hmm. Um, yeah, paperwork, administrative tasks, the list is really endless. But anything that you don't want to do, you can have a virtual assistant do. Well, <laughs> I, I, I dig that. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good list. And I have a feeling that, you know, if we gave you some more time, you could come up with some more. Um, yeah. so it's basically, <laughs> they can't go change a lock. Um, you know, but no. it seems like uh, it bears thinking about how, how much stuff there is to do that is just going to be done by a body sitting in a chair in front of a computer anyway. And, Absolutely. and there's no need for them to share office space with you or something like that. And right. particularly, you know, I'm in my forties. So the whole Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, I kind of go, ah, you know, um, I'm, I'm never going to be into that, right? I'm never going to be as knowledgeable about it or as good at it as perhaps someone who grew up with that technology more than I did. So why beat my brains out trying to learn it when, you know, I can hire someone who's younger and hipper um, to, <laughs> to do it better, right? Yeah, that's a point. Okay. Well, so, so let's say I'm sold on the concept of, of a VA or trying a VA or whatever, how do I, how do I find one? Where do I start? Yeah, there's some great um, sites 
to get you started. Um, and there's two direct ways to really do this that I tell people. You could go through a virtual staffing company. Um, the pros to that is that you are going to have virtual assistants who are a part of the staffing company who are going to have a lot more trained hours on real estate probably specifically. So you can um, look up different virtual staffing companies that have these virtual assistants, and typically their prices, though, are a little bit higher per hour. How, or you can go look on a freelancer site such as Upwork, Elance, Fiverr, to find virtual assistants to basically help you with the tasks that you need in your business. And by doing that, you can work out some of those rates a little bit more flexible for the hourly prices or if you want to pay them per task that they're doing, which is very crucial. We do that in both aspects of our business, paying by the hour for some tasks and paying um, per task completion of something. Um, but, yeah, some, those are some of the sites. There are the two ways to really go virtual staffing company, which they're going to go ahead and find them for you, or you kind of doing your own research on a freelance site to hire and interview someone who's specifically going to meet your needs for your business and get those tasks done. I see. Well, you kind of you kind of raise my my very next question, though, uh, which is how do you actually manage them? Now, I understand that that for some things it makes more sense to pay them hourly. For some things, it makes more sense to kind of pay them piecework, if you will, you know, on a, you know, do, do you know, redesign this logo and I'll pay you this many dollars. Um, but how how is it like the piecework thing just makes sense? That's easy. But on the hourly side, how do you know? I mean, if if I'm in, say, Cincinnati, Ohio, and they are, you know, wherever they are in, in Thailand or whatever. Um, how do I know that they are doing the things that they're supposed to be doing? Um, and, you know, what potentially happens if they don't? Yeah, absolutely. So to this date, I've never actually had to fire a virtual assistant that I've worked with. So that has been pretty beneficial so far since I've been using them. But what I, what I tell people is, um, yeah, so if you're basically trying to manage them, the best way to do it is to first always give them a goal for the hour or for the task that you're trying to have them complete. So, for example, if we wanted someone to put offers together for us in a certain hour, um, I, the goal I think usually at this point now, we want people to make roughly 40 offers on all the leads that are coming in per hour. Um, and so that would be the goal. We say we want you to hit and get 40, 40 offers done, put together in this hour. Mm-hmm. And then what they're doing to actually monitor their progress is they're taking screenshots of the work that they're doing throughout the hour every 15 minutes and uploading it into a Dropbox folder so that we can go ahead and monitor their progress for what they're doing. Um, same thing for if they were to cold call people for us. So if they're co-calling realtors, you may say the goal to co-call in this hour is speak to 35 real estate uh, agents in the hour. And so they're documenting um, which agents they spoke to, putting it into our database, um, the conversation that they had, and they're screenshotting that work so that we can go in and take a look to see what they've accomplished in the hour. And at this point, I have somebody who manages all the VAs that I work with. I'm a VA project manager. So that's what that person does. 
And and he, is he a practical employee or a virtual employee as well? She is a virtual employee so who you, manages all the VAs. So mm-hmm. you have one VA managing a whole herd of other VAs. Yeah, four, four VAs to be specific. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I like that leveraging. And you say that you get screenshots at, at intervals so you know if you see, you know, whatever, I'm going to date myself by saying solitaire instead of World of Warcraft or something on someone's screenshot, perhaps they're not hitting it as hard as they should be. Is that the idea? Right, exactly. And I can see, you know, what the conversation should look like if they aren't meeting their goals. Um, is the training not effective? Because that's one thing I always tell people. If the virtual assistant is not doing what you need them to be doing, whose fault is it? What do you think the answer is? Well, I, I assume that it's the supervisor's fault. It is, and mm-hmm. I always say it is mine. I think that some people say that they understand that, but they don't implement that. So when I see something going wrong, I need to figure out, is it my training materials? Is it that they don't feel comfortable doing the task I've assigned? So I'm constantly reworking to uh, make sure that everything is set up effective and they understand how to do everything so that they can be successful. All my training materials are designed for somebody who is in ninth grade. So that level of education to be able to understand how to do something in my business. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right, listeners, if you would like to join the conversation, feel free to do so. Uh, if you are inside the Cincinnati area, you can give us a call at 513-772-9658. If you are outside the Cincinnati area, you can join in at 877-772-9658. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing here on WMKV. I am your host, Mr. Drew. I intend to seize this chair and keep it as long as I possibly can. So settle down, folks. Um, in in the interim, I got a text question, of all things. Um, Frank from Viter, Texas, uh, asked me to ask you, I presume, how is she getting the VAs to make offers? Is there some sort of algorithm for this, or are they really that highly trained? Um, I am the one who is actually putting together the formula for them. Um, so you can do the NAO formula, mm-hmm. um, the maximum level offer that you want to actually do. Um, and so, but I know pretty much um, at this point, what to factor in. So what interest we usually have our lenders at, um, how much a rehab is roughly going to be, depending on where we are. I know a 1,000-square-foot house, for example, in New Jersey, the estimate rehab is probably going to be roughly thirty-five to 40000 So factoring the, in those costs, and I have a cheat sheet for them so that they're making offers based off the leads, off of where they are in the different markets that we're in. So it's almost like a neighborhood by neighborhood use this yes. use this repair number because we're just going to assume that the average house that's I assume there's some kind of there's some kind of metric like not everything that's listed in the MLS but if it indicates that it needs work we're going to assume that it needs this kind of work that kind of thing yeah absolutely so yeah they're looking at exact yep and then um, they're also looking at uh, the comp in the area to also kind of verify the number that we should also be buying at. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much how we do it. And we do the same thing every time. 
that's a that's that's a lot of offers. It is. So we currently have, um, goodness gracious, I think the highest we've ever hit in a week. I think it was close to roughly 250, 250 offers that went out for the whole week. Mercy, um, you've just shamed offers. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, roughly 250 offers. But here's the thing. So, you know, we get all the offers. We see them every morning that come in. And then we decide and pick and choose, right? So that's where we still need to, because at a certain point, we're just going to have to hire acquisitions manager. And that's where we're at now. It's really having to step it up because after you, you get bigger and scale up, you just have to let go of virtual assistance to some degree and hire more employees. Um, but, yeah, so we're at the place now where we literally in the morning wake up and we have all these offers on all different properties. Um, and we press go on which ones we want to submit to the realtor, which ones we want to, you know, do a personal, have our VAs do a personal call for because it's that hot of a lead. Um, yeah, we look through and comb through them and then press go. And then uh, you'd be surprised. We get a lot of counter offers, mm-hmm. a lot accepted, and then a lot accepted. We do wholesale it or we'll pick it up ourselves to rehab or maybe it's a viral that we'll actually end up purchasing. Okay. So, so and we do this in Columbus, Ohio, too, which is not too far from you all. No, so it's definitely. not. They're, they're only about 100 miles from my physical location right now. So if I can say it back to you to make sure I understand, what the, the VAs are assembling all these offers, and then the, you get to review them and either triage them or kind of make a go, don't go, or, or adjustment to them. And then you say you know, execute or abandon or adjust or what have you before the offers are actually then submitted to listing agents. Is that yes. essentially correct? Yep. Okay. That, that, that makes more sense and lowers my, my blood pressure a little bit. So, all right, good. Um, all right. So you already said, you said that you have uh, four VAs that you're using pl- and it's plus one who is a VA manager. Yeah, project manager. Okay, and what if I if I may ask, what are you paying these guys? Like, I assume the yeah, the manager so makes a little bit more, but yeah, absolutely. So let's see. Um, my marketing person, um, she is roughly paid six dollars an hour to do the marketing for me. Um, I have somebody who is also doing my SEO for my landing pages. Um, that is just a little more pricier because, um, you know, I'm trying to get to the top of Google for everything <laughs> now at this point. Um, and so I think that range, I pay that person $10 per hour, um, but roughly for like an SEO package, it, it ranges between 150 a month because I'm really trying to get to the highest um, mark on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have people who are putting in the offers on the MLS, and so... What I do for that is I actually pay by offer and not by the hour. So, for example, somebody is, will put together maybe 35 offers in a day. That constitutes them getting roughly $7 for, seven, for the 35 offers. Now, I am very good at doing incentives and bonuses. So, the offers that are accepted and ones that we rehab, ones that we wholesale and go to close on, I then pay a percentage back to those VAs. So $7 for two and a half, three hours of work doesn't seem like a lot, 
but they know that on the back end of each deal, they get a surprise bonus. So that's what really convinced people to be so driven, tedious, and really take those tasks seriously. Oh, I agree. I'm, I'm a big believer in incentivizing you know, mm-hmm. instead of just paying a straight wage myself, most of most yeah. of our folks I, are oh, bonused out based on performance. Yes, and then I have an answering service that answers my phone calls, mm-hmm. um, all of them. So my business phone doesn't come to me directly. I have an answering service pick up the call. Excuse me. And then I also have somebody who's um, keeping track of the budgeting. Um, and so all the expenses that I have, logging them into QuickBooks to make sure that my books are done. Obviously, they were, I think I submitted all my stuff the first week of January because I really was good at uh, maintaining and monitoring everything monthly. So that all got sent to my tax people to do. You have a VA um, doing your yes. QuickBooks? They are doing my QuickBooks. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's everybody, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Hmm. That's a that you you sound like you have a very uncluttered life. Um, I try to keep it organized. I'm really good at staying organized. I, I dig um, that. Yeah. Um. I have a I have another question from a listener, Gabby, from here locally in Cincinnati. Asks, I assume that these offers have inspection contingencies that she's not committing to buying properties that she hasn't seen. And I guess I am guilty of just assuming the same thing when you said that that's what was, you know, the, the way you were making offers. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All of them have inspection contingencies. Yeah. Okay. So I figured, mm-hmm. but I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to steer anyone down the wrong path who yeah, that, nope. that okay. wouldn't have been, you know, sort of, you know, an, a presumption that of Absolutely. of course you're not just rolling the dice all on all cash. of these properties. Oh. Yeah, and we do use all cash. And so we really aren't those investors that, you know, are trying to scrape for hard money because I don't know if um, I mentioned it, but yeah, I've never used hard money before to date. Mm-hmm. I've only used private money. So currently I personally, and that's, that's my strength, that's what I love to do is raise private funds. So Somebody reminded me the number, but I think I was at $5.2 million to date um, in raising private funds. Yeah, so I've never used a hard money lender. I had a really bad experience when I first started out. I had two rehabs under contract. This is right before I was ready to leave my full-time job. I uh, put my paperwork in to leave my full-time job, and then both deals fell apart because of that hard money lender. Mm-hmm. And so I swore up and down I would never use hard money again. I went out to my network, went out to different real meetings, and was pitching my, my stuff to different people and lenders. So, yeah, I only used private money, never hard money, so far to date. Well, there you go. And a little yeah. cheaper and flexible, more flexible terms, I dig you. There, there's certainly a place in the world for, for hard money lenders, but Absolutely. you know, I, uh, I, am, I am more in your boat that I prefer private people who... You know, you can, even even hard money lenders get that kind of institutionalization of rules that I understand why it happens. I just don't you yeah. know, want to play in in that you know in that particular playground. So, idea. Um, so we you've you've touched on at least some of the benefits of using uh, virtual assistants or VAs. Um, if if you feel like you left anything out that you want to enumerate of the pros of using VAs, 
um, please do so. And then I want you to talk about what are the what are the cons? What's the downside? Um, surely there are some, right, to having yeah, these yeah, employees who are literally thousands of miles away and whom you've never met and whatever. Yeah. So I think the pros are that you really aren't eating any cost besides the hourly cost. You know, you have somebody using their computer, their technology, their Internet, their equipment, um, you know, all that. So you're not paying for any employee cost of a phone, all that stuff. Um, we do have a Skype account, a business account, where they call out of, um, and the calls are actually recorded through a recording device called Pamela, so we're monitoring all the calls that they do make. So that's really the only call cost that we're eating, and that's way cheaper than getting, you know, an employee a phone to right have monthly. Um, in addition, some of the pros um, are that they're just so flexible with time, right? So let's be honest. Those people who have nine to five, I know that I could have gotten all my work done in a day in about three hours when I was working <laughs> at the office with attorneys and not teaching, right? Like if you had like a regular nine to five, it's like there's sometimes like, oh, a lot of these things I was doing at the computer, I probably could have gotten all done in about three to four hours, but I was being paid for an eight-hour workday. Um, and so with these um, virtual assistants, you know, you're really paying them um, for the hours that you need them. Uh, so you don't have to have somebody come in all day or try and find more things for them to do to make it part-time. Um, you can really just start by saying for an hour every single day, I want you to do the following task and be consistent and kind of work with it. Um, some of the cons, I think, when um, um, that kind of that can kind of be a little bit of a, a challenge are the language barriers. So depending on where you have them, mine are in the Philippines, most of them, and so the English uh, proficiency is actually very high, mm -hmm. very high. Um, but I do have some tech people who work on stuff for me in India, and so there have been some communication, you know, challenges. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but been pretty successful with being very detailed about what it is that I need so that there is no communication when it comes to that. Um, and that can be a little bit of a barrier when starting out. But if you are really doing your due diligence and trying to hire somebody, you'll know that ahead of time what their language proficiency is. So that way you would know if they'd be a good fit in your company or not. So do you interview, like the, the people who are speaking to locals, you know, the people who are making phone calls, do you do a Skype or some, or some kind of, you know, uh, pseudo face-to-face -face interview with them to find out just how good of the, a command of the language and the vernacular they have? Absolutely, absolutely. And then we do a role-play scenario just so I can also see if they are kind of quick to think on their feet. Um, if somebody does have a question, um, I don't make it real estate related because I just want to see if they have basic, you know, customer service um, experience. And that's, you know, I've gotten a couple off of uh, the police uh, site Upwork, and so I've picked people who are were in customer relations before to do these types of tasks. That does help. I know that they've been on the phone with people before doing customer service for these bigger companies that use virtual assistants. Find people who, you know, have worked. <laughs> for Sprint, for my phone company, you know, so mm -hmm. they do have that customer service relationship. Um, so, yeah, using those people. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I do those tests just to make sure. So we do some role plays. 
Um, and then I would obviously, um, I've done it where I'm the person, the seller, they're the actual person who's pretending to be the investor. And we go back and forth and kind of go there. I've also had my own calls that I've done that are recorded that I let them listen to. Uh, so that they can also see that training and hear how it's done, so that they feel successful and confident to get on the phone and talk to people. Interesting, interesting, mm-hmm. and I mean that literally. Um, one more quick question before before we take a break for news and weather and traffic and all that stuff. Um, how many when you how many? I guess basically what I'm trying to ask is how many VAs do you interview before you hire one? Like, is there a I ratio so, that yeah. you have in mind? No, that's a great question. So. If you are really active about marketing a position, you really should um, get close to about 15 to 20 inquiries on your job post. Um, I think the biggest mistake that I hear people say when they say they didn't see, they didn't get any response, it's like, well, what was your job post? Was it compelling? Would you apply for the job? And then, you know, some people write some pretty, you know, boring, hey, this is a virtual consistent, you know, and I'm yeah. like, come on, you wouldn't even apply to that. So you can't expect people to apply to that. Um, so yeah, you roughly get about 15 to 20 applications that come in. Um, you want to make sure you pick the ones that, um, I usually do like a little trick. I say, <coughs> excuse me, I say, please submit the cover letter um, to this email address and include the following. Just so I can see that people really read through my job description, mm-hmm. answered it appropriately, and sent it to me, so that way I can rule out the people who didn't follow directions. Clever. Right? Because even when I was working for this office um, with the attorneys, we had tons of people who wrote the wrong company and all this stuff, and I went, "Oh my gosh! Like you've got to be kidding me!" You don't want somebody who doesn't take your post seriously. No. Then you get down to doing the actual interviews, and I roughly interview between three to five people. Um, and I always have them do a test on the actual job that I'm hiring them for. So if it is for social media, I say, go ahead and let me see your creativity. Come up with some posts for the week that you would do um, based off of my business so I can really see who had a really good idea to fit for it. Um, and then doing the actual phone interview via Skype so that we can go ahead and talk through some more questions. And then, yeah, hiring them. All right, bravo. Uh, We'll be right back in a couple minutes. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV-FM. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Mr. Drew. I am interviewing Brittany Calloway, a real life real estate investor from the D.C. area who has built a business in five different states using automation. So uh, I wanted to mention that Brittany is going to be coming to the Cincinnati RIA meeting uh, sometime soon. I'm actually looking for that information right now. Um, she is, Brittany, do you do, I hate to put you on the spot like this. Do you happen to have the date mm-hmm. of when you're coming in? Yeah, I believe I'm doing a workshop on the 18th and then also speaking on the 20th. Excellent. All right. Well, I appreciate you bailing me out there. Um, (laughs) So, ah, yes, indeed. Here it is. The RIA meeting, February 18th with a Saturday. So you'll be the speaker at a regular Thursday RIA meeting here in Cincinnati. And then you're doing a Saturday on the 20th. So thank you very much for that. Um, So if you could summarize this part of it a little bit, what do you think... Uh, briefly are the keys to successfully using virtual assistants? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
One, I think, starts with just not getting, you know, impatient. Um, my partner tends to be, I always make fun of him, but he, is, he he's just a very impatient person. He wants instant success. And this does take time on the front end, but I promise you the more time you put on it on the front end, it just pleases through on the back end. Um, the other thing is consistency, you know. I think when you're trying to have a virtual assistant do something for you very last minute or try and send a quick email, get this done, and it's not fully outlined, then it's just not going to be a good relationship. So I really suggest starting off by really having them do something consistently every single day, like putting in offers or um, putting on Facebook ads, whatever it is that you want them to do, but do it consistently. Um, the third thing I think is just having really good training materials. We really want it to be step-by-step so there's no room for error. And I think a lot of people think that, oh, my gosh, that takes time. I have to go out and, like, now put four hours a, a week to the side to work on automation. But you do it in your business as you're doing it. So, for example, I went to put a Facebook post online, and I said, let me just shoot a quick video of where I go to get my information. So, Bless <laughs> um, But, yeah, guys, I shot a quick video of where I went to go get the post for Monday, Motivational Monday. Um, we do posts for buyers. We do posts for sellers, lenders. Um, uh, we do spotlights where we have products. But I just shot like a 10-minute video of exactly where I went to get that information and just kind of the, you know, the overview of what it looks like so that they could actually see, oh, on Monday she goes to this direct site. She goes and posts this motiva- a motivational quote. You know, she goes to this file in her Dropbox of before and after pictures and, you know, com- picks one to highlight for, you know, the actual post. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just being, documenting it in the process of while you're actually doing it and creating those thorough training materials so that, again, a ninth grader should be able to understand it, which means your virtual assistants will also be competent enough to understand as well. All right. Thank you. So, okay, from what I understand, what I've read about you and from what we discussed when we spoke before the show, you're, you're one of these systems monster people, you know, you're kind of like (laughs) Vina in that regard and apparently quite successfully. I mean, most newer real estate investors have trouble managing doing deals in their own backyard and you're doing them in Ohio, Florida, Maryland, New Jersey, and D.C., right? Um, it, do I have that list correct? Um, yes. Okay. So, and and that's that's kind of all about systems. It has to be, especially, you know, since you don't have an army of boots on the ground there. But systems is another term that gets thrown about a lot. Um, can you give me some concrete examples of systems that you use day in and day out to to effectively be in five markets at once? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of it is obviously we met with a lot of the contractors, realtors ahead of time to really scout out who was going to be the best fit for our the markets that we were doing flips in and investing in. Um, and so, you know, we really are consistent about having those meetings with our contractors, realtors once a week, which the virtual assistant helps put together. So we're not all, I'll have to jump on the phone with the plumber, the HVAC guy, et cetera. I can get them on the phone one time, go ahead and talk to the project so they can actually, um, you know, we can make decisions right then and there. 
Um, the virtual assistant also for rehabbing virtually helped manage the pay schedule. So we know, our contractors know at this point exactly what needs to be done before they get a payment. Therefore, our VAs are good at making sure that pictures are updated weekly to us, one so that we can get them out to our lenders, so that's what we use to send our lenders updates on the different projects that we're doing, um, in addition to also updating us so we can see the current progress and make sure that people are paid accordingly based off the work that they're completing. Um, yeah, so we do that through managing people, <clears throat> um, excuse me, rehab virtually. And we do the same scope of work every time, you know. For low-end houses in Columbus, it's the same exact few numbers, same exact cabinet, same exact form. We don't really change it up. Um, for high-end homes that we do in Fort Lauderdale, uh, Florida, you know, exact same few numbers. So, yeah, we try not to mix and match too much. We know what really works for those different price ranges. And you just wash, rinse, and repeat, do the same thing every time. Hmm. All right. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. um, now, there's obviously a lot of automation of various types in your business. But for people who are kind of new to this sort of concept, VAs and systems and technology, and they need a loose end of yarn to start pulling that, that will be less scary what what are kind of your top three pieces of advice of how they can dip their toe in this particular pool? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that, like I said before, done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so you really just want to be doing something in your business that you can start to currently document, write it down, create a system for it, do it consistently, and then train someone else to do it for you. Um, I see a lot of people who start to do automation and who really click with the light bulb when they really start to do calendars for themselves. So right now I have calendars for all my VAs. So they know exactly from 9 to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, exactly what they should be doing every single hour of the time that they're getting paid so that there is no confusion. Um, so creating, you know, a calendar for yourself and, you know, some of the tasks that you're trying to do so that you can go ahead and effectively outsource those um, for you. Um, and then also just, yeah, getting the training materials um, together um, and also, you know, setting up some calendars for yourself. Like I use, I use Visita. Um, so anytime somebody wants to set an appointment with me, my virtual assistants can go on my visit to link, see the times that I'm available because it links to my personal Google Calendar, and they can set up time. It's also easier between the back and forth of, you know, you say three on Thursday, and I have to look. I just say, here's the link. Go ahead, sign up for the time that makes sense for both of us because I have all the available times that I'm free. Um, so I have people, you know, my virtual assistant monitors that. And I'm really just making sure that you at least put together a database. <clears throat> so some people think that it really needs to be this high-tech um, thing, such as like a real flow. Uh, we use Podio. I've used both Podio, real flow. Some people use REI Blackbook, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But once again, whatever system it is, you just need to be actively using it. So even if you started out with Excel spreadsheets, which is what I did for certain things, right? Yeah. As long as you are consistently updating whatever database it is, monitoring it, um, really having a follow-up system for working on whatever it is that you're doing, that's going to make your business grow. Um, and so, yeah, I would just pick, I would pick two to three things that you could do tomorrow and outsource 
And if you knew those two to three things, start working on the systems for them, the documentation, the training materials, so you could outsource it to somebody else to do. Well, okay. I really appreciate it, Brittany. Thank you for joining us. We've been listening to Brittany Calloway. She is the founder and owner of Top Notch Property Solutions. Uh, come join Brittany at Cincinnati Ria Thursday the 18th and for an all day on Saturday the 20th. You can get more information on those visits by going to CincinnatiRia.com. Thank you very much, Brittany. And folks, hopefully I will still have firm hold of this chair next week, but I think Fina's going to come back and evict me and help put you back on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.